My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Today, I'd like to issue a plea, an imploration to all friends, neighbors, colleagues, and cohorts. You see, I'm an aged fella, and my constitution, though iron, and my heart, while strong, are not those of youth. So I must be prudent should I wish to continue my earthly sojourn and not enter Jesus' embrace before time. Toward that end, I must ask this. If you are planning to surprise me, couch the thunderclap in a presage. Before springing said stunner, advise Farmer Gray to steal himself for a shocker, or tell your old pal to screw his courage to the sticking place and hang on to his hat. Only then will I be primed for the stupefying jolt and less apt to blow a valve or the like. And you wouldn't want me to blow a valve or the like, would you? I mean... Wouldn't that dispirit ye to render your correspondent dysrhythmically infirm, delivering him into the hands of some phlegmatic ER? Sure it would, for you seek to inspirit your buddy, not disable him. Now, I broached the topic in accord with a recent incident on Main Street, Trouveau. It was last Saturday, see, and I was just heading back to the pickup, having enjoyed Barbara Zeb's tonsorial ministrations and looking well quaffed. Well, who should intercept me on that busy sidewalk but Edna Blaine, wife of old Clifford Blaine, resolute councilman and stalwart of the improved order of Heptisophs, Lodge 23. Now, Edna, she was all a Twitter, bursting to tell me of her niece, Buffy Sue, just graduated from a liberal arts school up north and not a week past tying the knot with her beloved. We flew up for the ceremony, says she, and oh, wasn't it lovely, Buffy Sue looked the perfect bride, and the hall and the centerpieces, and oh, the hors d'oeuvre pre-dinner, and the music, I guess and forget the music, I got blisters, so long did I dance. Why, Farmer Gray, I cannot recall when last I'd such a time. You simply must see the pictures, which I happen to have right here in my purse, just the odd two dozen or so. Well... So infectious was Edna's fervor that instead of estimating it a chore, reviewing snapshots from a stranger's nuptials, I devised great appetence to shuffle through the proffered stack of prints. Oh, said I, it was indeed a fine big hall, and goodness, I exclaimed, are those napkins in the shape of swans? And of course, there's the mother beaming like a burgeoning star, and big strong daddy with what, a sentimental tear in his eye? and the bridesmaids, a mulebrous phalanx in pink, the flower girl, a simulacrum of angelic earnestness, the ring-bearer, the image of pre-adolescent hoter, the bride, all big blue eyes and blonde candescence, and the groom, a nice presentable young black man. What? And with that, as if of their own volition, the photos flew into the air and scattered along the sidewalk. Edna, looking peeved at the unceremonious sprinkling of her precious memories, kneeled to retrieve them. Then she looked up and said, Why, Farmer Gray, you look positively pale. Are you feeling all right? To which I replied, I, uh, how long has your niece been up north? Four years now, said Edna. Why? Idle curiosity, says I. Just idle. They're not moving back Mississippi way, are they? 
I don't believe so, says Edna, unless you know of a career opportunity that might entice them below the Mason-Dixon line. No, says I. I mean, no, I I don't happen to. I'm sure they'll be fine up in uh, New York. Connecticut, says Edna. Same difference, says I, or so I'd guess. At which point I bid dear Edna farewell and made to climb back into the truck, only to be stopped by Mr. Stevens, passing by on his way to Zeb's. My nephew, says he, just got hitched, and wasn't it delightful? A first-class ceremony and a reception with roast chicken in an open bar, practically busting out of his shirt, so proud was Mitch. Care to see the pictures? But before answering that question, I had a few of my own. Married up north, did he? asked I. No, sir, says Mitch. Southern bred, southern wed, right there in Jackson. Oh, says I, brightening. And his betrothed, what? color hair atop the pate. Why, blonde, says Mitch. Why? No reason, says I. And to answer your question, friend, I'd be delighted to gander at those snaps. At which point, Mitch reached into a pocket and handed over the stack. Ah, yes, says I. The pleased parents. Gleaming they are, just gleaming. And who's that? The groom, you say? An impressive young man with a bright future. You can tell by the eyes, see? Very serious eyes, trustworthy eyes, auspicious eyes. Yes, sir, he'll go far. And just look at the groomsmen, rough and readies who'd never donned a tie till this very day. But they did it because it's for a friend. And these big southern boys, they'd die for a friend or tackle a silk ligature, preferring, albeit, the latter to the former. And here at last, the blonde-haired best man, standing beside the groom and before the reverend, waiting for the blonde-haired bride. And, oh, look, the ceremony's over, with no bride in sight, as the groom kisses the best man. What? Holy cow. Listen, folks, if you're going to be mixing races and matching genders, best learn CPR before accosting me with your prince, unless the liberal hunter really wants me early at the pearlies. Yes, sir. I'm about to tell you a tale that's both fantastic and true of a real-life magical exploit in the life of yours truly, Farmer Gray. Went to an estate sale, see, that of old Callum Chickless, who passed at age 97. A good man he was, a retired plumbing contractor of inculpable reputation, personal and professional, but a bit, just a bit, eccentric, see, For Callum collected oddities, and the odder the better as far as he was concerned. Meteorite fragments and Far East back scratchers and stereo opticons, even old-timey tobacco cans, he'd amassed quite a conjuries of those. But the strangest curio of all was an ancient oil lamp come straight from the land of the sultans. Oh, that old thing, here's I, as the manager from Final Sale, LLC, the company handling the proceedings, catches me eyeing the bibelot. Little call for such truck round here, says he. You can have it for a song. Well, I'd no intention of purchasing the lamp, for the Middle East is a fractious realm, and said acquisition would give tacit approval to Arabian capers. But then I thought, wouldn't it be jolly to present the bauble to my good friend Davis McClyde? As a prank, I mean, for Davis is no more enamored of the desert tribes than I, and would surely sputter goggle-eyed at this antiquity, especially if I presented it all gift-wrapped and topped with a bow, arousing expectations that friend Gray had sprung for a new fishing reel or some such. I'd have a good laugh, and so would he, once he'd regained his composure. 
So I handed the fellow a sawbuck and received three dollars change. So little did he value the relic. I chuckled all the drive home, gladsome at the prospect of an outraged Davis. That's right, dear listeners, your humble correspondent, pious and assiduous, had fallen prey to the siren song of mischief, because no man, save for the king of kings, is free of devilment, and indeed the rascality didn't stop there. For once home, I resolved to polish the lamp to a high sheen, so the brass would catch the light when Davis opened the box. Faced with a glittering prize that was truly no such thing, the glint would feed his ire. And so, fetching a rag from beneath the kitchen sink, I began to vigorously buff the tarnished metal. But no sooner had I administered a few strokes than what should transpire. Why, a crack of thunder and a gust of wind on a calm, cloudless afternoon, followed by a column of smoke ascending from the lamp's spout, smoke that magically transmogrified into a large man with a beard and turban accoutred in the silks of mythic royalty. And lo, atones he, and lo, intones he, as the genie is summoned, so does he appear. Oh, dear, says I, nonplussed, not so much by his supernatural manifestation as by the fact that a man of Middle Eastern complexion was standing in my kitchen. What can I do for you? No, master, says the genie. The question is, what can I do for you? Now, having a dark-skinned fellow about the house calling me master seemed a bit dicey. If I wasn't against it per se, but in this age of liberal media, folks have been pilloried for far less. Still, being familiar with the many apologues of Scheherazade, particularly that of Aladdin and his wonderful lamp, I parsed his objective. Are you here to grant wishes, asked I? Wishes three, said the genie. I see, says I. Three wishes, and that means anything? Indeed, master, says the genie, whatever your heart desires. Hmm, says I, then let me cogitate a mite. And so, cerebrating at length, I at last devised a petition. Genie, says I, here's wish number one. Give old Farmer Gray the most fertile land the world has ever known, so that which he sows will be tenfold reaped. Oh dear, says the gin, I cannot grant such a wish. And why not, demands I. Because, says he, even one who has dwelled a thousand years in a lamp knows that the soil of the American Mid-South is already the finest on earth. Its fecundity outstrips even my magic. I should have realized, says I, for that which the Lord has personally touched cannot be improved upon. But how about this, genie? Since the terra firma stands no betterment, how about emendation of he who cultivates it? Can you transform yours truly into the best farmer in the county? Oh, master, says the genie, I am again powerless in this regard, for you are already the county's greatest yeoman, and I cannot perfect that which is perfect. Well, I needn't tell you I blushed bright red, for I am a modest sort who shies away from praise, warranted or not. Well then, genie, says I, hiding my discomfiture at the encomium, how about this? Can you make me the most pious adherent of the Southern Baptist Convention? But... The genie only hung his head in shame. I must disappoint you once more, says he, for again, that which you long to be you already are, constant as God as the love of God's Son to whom you are devoted. And a tear rolled down his cheek. 
Your chagrin is unfounded, says I, because here I stand, the best and most pious farmer on earth's most proliferant tract. Why, Jeannie, you've shown me that I've already got all I could wish for. So back in the lamp, old gin, for I've no need for your Middle Eastern magic. As you wish, says the genie. But just before he vanished back into his brass dwelling, I said, hold on a minute, one last thing. Yes, master, says the genie. Can you, says I, stop men from marrying other men? Um, says the genie, I could, but I won't. And with that, he vanished. Dang, those liberals are everywhere. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 